0: Hello my beautiful beans and welcome to today's episode. So this episode is all about anger. It's all about controlling your fucking anger, knowing how to identify your anger, dealing with people that are angry. It's also really good if you're in a relationship where there's a lot of anger involved and you have a lot of kind of um, outbursts with your partner and you think, oh my God, you know, we're so good. But every time every time we get frustrated with each other it just ends up being like a screaming match and how do I control that. I get messaged all the time with people saying that they acknowledge that they have an anger problem and that they find that their initial reaction to a lot of things is anger and they really want to kind of learn to tame that or put a lid on it or do something to kind of control how they react to situations. So this episode is going to focus on all of the above okay. I think you're going to get a lot of a lot of things that you can kind of put into practice, but also that you can start thinking about right now. And even if you think about it when you're not angry, it's going to then help you when you get to a situation where you'd normally kind of lose your shit or, you know, blow up or say something you regret. Okay, so it is going to be very, very, very beneficial and helpful. Well, hopefully, that's that's the aim. Um not much of a life update, I kind of just want to dive straight into today today's episode. There is a lot to get into. I do have a little bit a little quick little brain fact, more like a pharmacology fact i guess and it's it's about uh i'll dive into it right now um the brain fact is about something uh, it's a pre workout called jacked that was banned, and it's still banned in a lot of countries i believe um like australia the u s the u k um as far as I'm aware, it's not been approved again, and I wouldn't imagine that it would be based on, you know, what it contains. But basically, I wanted to explain what it was. It's the pre-workout that contained, called JACT, and a lot of other pre not Jacked is not the only one, there was a whole bunch of pre-workouts that contained something called DMAA, which is also known as 1,3-dimethylamilamine, fucking say that a million times. Uh, it, there's also heaps of other names for this drug, okay, or for this chemical, if you want to call it. Now this was marketed as a weight loss product, a performance enhancer, a cognitive enhancer and was sold and marketed as a dietary supplement despite the fact that it does not and should not supplement anything in your diet. So it's not actually a supplement. And back in the day, it was actually also used as a nasal decongestant, but it no longer is. And this is because it is an amphetamine derivative. Okay. So it does do a lot of the decongestant work um, like an amphetamine would. It's also known as a geranium extract or as geranium extract and methylhexanamine, methylhexanamine, okay? And it is illegal now in many countries because of the side effects and it's just really not good for your body or your heart. Now, people have argued that DMAA is natural, quote-unquote. It's a natural stimulant. Um, because they claim that it exists in plants. But there's still a lot of studies that have not been able to prove that it can be extracted from plants without the synthetic addition of something. But regardless of that, in any case, let's say you could extract it naturally from plants. Just because something is quote-unquote natural – it does not make it safe for consumption. I think a lot of people think, oh, no, 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 you can get DMA from plants. Let's just make it legal then. It doesn't mean that it's safe, okay? A lot of pe- people think that natural or organic and healthy are synonymous when they're not. Some of the greatest poisons of all time are all natural. And if you listen to my recent episode about someone dying after eating a slug, ain't nothing more fucking natural than a garden slug. So don't fall for that lingo of... Natural and organic, meaning that it's healthy for you. Natural chemicals can be just as potent, if not more potent, than a synthetically produced chemical. So... What's going on with DMAA? So DMAA, like I said, it's an amphetamine derivative and it mimics adrenaline and noradrenaline, also known as epinephrine and norepinephrine. Okay. So adrenaline slash epinephrine is a hormone that's secreted by your adrenal glands. Normally it's during times of stress and it increases your rate of blood circulation. It increases your breathing rate, your carbohydrate metabolism. And this is all done to prepare your body and your muscles for physical exertion. So it's like when you've got adrenaline pumping through your body you're ready to fucking take action. It's that fight or flight. It's kind of like I'm primed, I'm ready to go, which makes sense why people would want to use this as a pre-workout because they want to maximize what they can get out of their body. And if you're thinking, okay, I'm already getting all my physical physicality ready before I'm even moving, then I'm probably going to be able to get more out of my workout, get more out of my muscles, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of the theory behind why you would have this as a pre-workout. So that's um, that's adrenaline and or epinephrine. Then you've got noradrenaline slash norepinephrine. And this is a neurotransmitter. This is released via the adrenergic nerve terminals in the central nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. And it constricts your blood vessels and it raises your blood pressure, okay? This is also why DMAA is considered a cognitive enhancer as well. And people use it to study because it is a central nervous system stimulant. It does help you kind of focus and be really attentive. Kind of what, like on a smaller scale, That's what coffee does when you drink coffee. It's like it's a stimulant, so you're more focused, you're more alert, you're more attentive. Now, because a lot of people do take this in conjunction with caffeine, it can actually be quite dangerous. And a lot of the pre-workouts do mix DMAA with caffeine. And the reason why it was ultimately banned is because, as you can see, this is quite a hectic stimulant for your body. You've got adrenaline and noradrenaline or epinephrine and norepinephrine. And for people that you know, everyone's got their own sensitivities around how something reacts in their body. One chemical, one drug doesn't react exactly the same with everybody. It would be so easy for pharmacologists if that were the case, but it's not the case. Everyone reacts differently. So because of that, some people are going to be more sensitive, and it's caused. There's many cases where this particular pre-workout or this this um, chemical has caused shortness of breath, tightening of the chest, and in a few cases heart attacks as well. So that is why it's been banned because it's not really considered a supplement. It's just not safe enough for fucking mainstream, you know, people, everyone, to be using it all the time. Um, There might be some uses here or there where it will be useful, but in general, it's just not considered safe for what you're getting out of it. You know, if you're just going to have it as a pre-workout, then it's really, it's not worth it to do that to your fucking body. And also... My – okay, that's all the science side of this. My opinion is that I wouldn't want to excessively stimulate my body before I am training because I believe that you should be training within reason. Obviously, you've got to be eating foods to, to, you know, like um, feed your body and to whatever – give you the energy that you need. But I don't think that you should be tricking your body into thinking that it's got more in it than what it does have. That's when people push their bodies past the limit that it should be pushed and that's where you get these terrible side effects of shortness of breath, potential heart attack, heart failure, all that shit because you you have tricked your body into thinking, oh no, I can do all this shit, I can do all this shit. You have to be really good at listening to your body. And if you're going to be taking a supplement like, you know, Jacked or DMAA, then it's going to hinder your ability to pay attention to your body and what your body needs at that time. So, I mean, you do you. I'm fucking – I'm not some Mother Teresa, but that's just my opinion around pre-workouts and shit like that. I do caffeine. That's pretty much as as hardcore as I go when I um, train. But yeah. Okay. So that's the brain fact of today. I want to get straight into the episode of today, which is all about dealing with anger, how to curb your anger. So let's get straight into it before. Actually, Lol. Before we get started, I just want to make sure that you guys know, a bit of a disclaimer, this episode is not referring to people with psychological disorders or people with a substance abuse as there are other chemical or biological factors at play that's going to impede their ability to make a decision. So we're not talking about that category, okay? We're talking about someone who's does not have a psychological disorder or someone who does not have a substance abuse problem. Um. Who, has, who wants to curb their anger and how they lash out and how they react and how things affect them, okay? That's what we're talking about today. And another thing, I've, I really believe that if you think that you don't have the power to control the emotions inside of you, then you're probably not going to be able to control the emotions inside of you because you feel that you're powerless. So you're less likely to take the necessary steps to control it because you think that they're going to be pointless and not worth it. Okay, If you think that you can control the emotions inside of you, then you're already one step ahead. Okay, a lot of what you do with how you react, how you perceive situations, how you interact with people comes down to your belief around your control with your emotions and your thought patterns. Okay, but the funny thing is that you and I reckon most people have more control than they give themselves credit for. People can control their emotions. For example, I had this discussion with my cousin and this is bang on. An abusive husband that's going to beat his wife never beats anyone else, just their wife, right? So someone who's that volatile, who's going to hit their wife, is not only getting angry at the partner. This person obviously has an anger problem. If you're going to be so volatile that you lash out in, in, in violence, you have an anger problem. But how is it that that anger can be controlled in public or it can be controlled in front of relatives and friends and just reserved for that one person? So this isn't a control – problem. and they're like, oh, I couldn't control myself, I couldn't control myself, this, that. It's not a control problem. It's a problem with respect and a total lack of accountability. You can control yourself because why is it that abusive husbands never beat their wives in public? Because they can control themselves, right? So people are very biased – around when it is that they have control over something or when it is that they can't and they love to rest on their excuses as i didn't have control bullshit you didn't have respect and you have zero accountability okay so control is there it's about what is more important at the time and what are you going to allow to occur at the time of your your the height of your anger so I want you to stop looking at your emotions as something that's happening to you, okay? It's something that is created within you. If you look at it as something external, you're always going to feel like a victim to it, okay? And you're going to feel like you have no control. And when you feel that way, you never bother to do anything about it. You never bother to curb it or to change it. You resign yourself to thinking, oh, it's just the way I am. Other people are really good at controlling it. I, I can't, I can't, okay? Other people just don't get angry, but I do. It's like that person isn't, anger's not attacking them, it's attacking me. That's kind of how it feels for a lot of people. And you repeat that na- narrative and because you're repeating that narrative, you then repeat those behaviours, okay? So it's like this fire within you, but you think that the fire is kind of coming onto you that you're next to. It's, if it's within you, you can put it out. You can control it. But if you think that the fire is external to you and it's coming to attack you, you're just kind of a victim to it, all right? Now, the problem is that a lot of people have created this habitual way of being based around their emotions, and they think that's just me. My mum was like that. My dad was like that. That's just genetically how we are in this family. And so they don't learn that they have a lot they have a lot of um, leeway or like flexibility as far as controlling their minds and how they perceive things and their emotions. Um, they don't realise that they have that power so they don't do anything to tap into that power to change it, okay? You it definitely, I 100% agree that a lot of emotional um, circuitry and traits can be passed down genetically and that's kind of where epigenetics comes in but you can also change that and you can actually start to change the wiring of your brain through conscious interception and then the generation after you and on and on is going to have those epigenetic changes carry through right so while you might be the recipient of someone who hasn't been able to really or hasn't ever tried to control their emotions and lashes out and they've got a really active limbic system you can do things to control it okay you can train your brain your brain is malleable as fuck it's pretty amazing And you're already one step ahead. If you've clicked on this episode to listen to it, it means that you believe that something can be changed. So you're already ahead of the game. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be giving you a bunch of steps to focus on during times of anger or before you're angry or kind of just lifestyle-wise as well. I I think there's about six steps that I want you to do. Even if you do a handful of them, you're going to notice a big difference. If you're someone where anger is such a, like such a strong, um, has such a strong presence in your life, it will make a difference. Okay. What I want you to realize though, is that it is okay to feel angry. It's normal and it's natural. This whole thing is not about avoiding anger. That's not what this episode is about. I don't want you to suppress and I don't want you to avoid. It's about what you can learn from your anger and how quickly you can intercept it and how quickly you can turn it around. That is what this episode is about. We're not here to be like, I'm never going to be angry again. This is all about learning what's going on within you. Okay, It's what you do with it. Sometimes something's going to happen that's going to make you Initially, feel super uncomfortable, super angry, super defensive. But then it's can you intercept that in an instant and react in a reasonable way? Can you intercept it in a way that's then going to cause you to have, you know, positive interaction with your partner who you're having an argument with? Or are you going to let it run its course and you end up saying that something that you regret or making a decision that you then regret making, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So let's get into it. Step one. You want to identify the primary emotion, okay? Anger is a secondary emotion to another feeling. You never just get angry for the sake of getting angry, okay? Anger occurs as a response to an emotion that's brewing inside. And anger is then how how you express or release that energy. Okay. So you need to get to know and understand what the primary emotional feeling is and address that. If you can address the primary emotion and primary feeling, then it's not going to bubble or burst into crazy anger. If you are angry, it means that you're suppressing that primary emotion. And if you suppress those feelings, it's just going to grow and grow and get worse and worse, okay? So anger, look at anger as an alarm, not a tool to get what you want, but an alarm that there's something going on beneath the surface, okay? So, for example, I'll give you a whole bunch of potential emotions that you could be feeling as the primary emotion. Resentment, feeling like the victim, guilt, shame, jealousy, embarrassment, a loss of control, confusion, an inability to communicate, frustration, feeling misunderstood and threatened. And then there's obviously a whole lot more than that. But a lot of these feelings and emotions will then lead to anger if not addressed. Okay, When you fail to identify that feeling and when you fail to know what to do with those feelings – anger's going to come out in its place. Now, you might be someone that says, oh, I'm normally fine. I'm, I'm, I'm never an angry person. But every time I talk to my sister, for example, um, my patience just runs so thin and I just, I just, wanna, I just feel like I'm exploding. So then you've got to ask yourself, what is the trigger? And are there any warning signs? And why is it that I'm only angry towards my sister when we talk about X, Y, Z? And it might be that there's this underlying issue that's not been addressed with your sister. And the, and the result of that is this secondary expression of anger. For example, you might feel like your sister has always you know, you've always felt insecure and jealous of your sister. And it's this jealousy that you have, hypothetically, let's just throw that out there. So you've got this underlying jealousy, you always feel shit about yourself every time you're around your sister. And because you haven't addressed those feelings, you then feel really angry. Or it could be that you're always made to feel like an idiot when you're around your sister, maybe she always puts you down all the time. And so then you think, okay, well, fuck, you know, I feel stupid, I feel misunderstood, I feel this, I feel that, I feel like I can't get my point across and so anger comes out okay. So you might start to identify these like patterns or triggers within certain people that you communicate with that make you more angry than other people do. So that's the first step, it is identify the primary emotion. Step two, release your attachment to being right. Understand guys that when someone's lashing out at you, like I said given that it's a secondary emotion, when someone's lashing out at you, it's a reflection of what's going on in their head. If someone's angry at you, you know that there's another underlying emotion that's going on behind the anger. So knowing this, you cannot reason with anger, okay? There is no point trying to reason with someone who is angry at you and in turn, when you're angry, there's very little that can be achieved because no one is getting to the bottom of what's actually going on. And in the meantime, someone or both parties are getting hurt, right? Because it's anger, 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 being met with anger, 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 when one person's feeling resentment and the other person's feeling shame or whatever, okay? So you're not actually addressing the problem. You're just yelling at each other, wanting to be heard, but not trying to understand each other. When you are arguing a point when you're angry, you're trying to protect yourself. And your need to feel right feels like your need to protect yourself okay but they're not the same thing you're protecting yourself comes from addressing the underlying emotion and being patient with yourself or being vulnerable with the person that you're dealing with or with yourself you protecting your need to be right is completely different that's all ego based and you're not addressing the actual problem but a lot of us get them really confused we think oh my god me being right is so heavily linked with me as a person that if I let someone prove that I'm wrong then what does that mean about me as a person? You have to separate the two. You have to separate your need to be right with who you feel as a person and your, and your identity and how safe you feel. A lot of us link safety with being right. You need to detach the two. Step three, understand that your brain is not on your side when you are angry you make it really hard for yourself to reason when you're angry. When you lose your cool, when you act out on anger and you say something in anger, you make a decision when you're angry, your brain's ability to reason is getting diminished. You still know right from wrong. You haven't completely shut it down. You know right from wrong. So that's not an excuse to be like, oh, well, I was angry and my brain shut down. No, 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 no. You just make life very hard for yourself. That's what happens, okay? You make it harder to make the small but smart calls, okay? Part of your midbrain, parts of your midbrain, the more primitive kind of survival part of your brain, that's your limbic system, your amygdala, it fires up like crazy when you feel threatened, okay? Or when you're angry, which is when you feel threatened. The more active that part of the brain is, the less active your reasoning centres are going to be, which is your prefrontal cortical regions. Now these two areas stop communicating properly and if you don't intercept it, you continue down this spiral of feeling angry and powerless and, and feeling unsafe and that just gets worse and worse and worse. So you might know someone or you might be this kind of person that when they're calm, They're super reasonable, like they're wise, they're intelligent, they give great insight, they give great advice. But whenever this person enters into an argument and gets angry, it feels like you're speaking to a completely different person. That's what's happening when your reasoning is hindered. Like their reasoning goes out the window. They ultimately know what's right or wrong, but their reasoning to get to where they're getting to or when they're arguing, they start going off on a fucking tangent and they start pulling – information that's so not relevant just to strengthen their point and you're like stick to the point that is what happens when someone gets angry they fail to reason and they become really bad at arguing they might be a brilliant debater but get them in a fired up state angry and they they, it goes to shit you're like whoa You're actually really good at debating points and you're very wise, but the moment you're fired up, that goes out the fucking window. So that's what is going on in those people. And some people can control it more than others. Some people cannot, okay? And that all comes down with practice and what you're used to and how you've grown up or what you've done to train your ability to intercept those angry, threatened moments. Because anger ultimately is a state of uncertainty or threat. Otherwise, you would not be lashing out the way you're lashing out. It's, you're trying to now protect yourself. You're trying to not feel that primary emotion bubble up. So you put anger as a facade to protect yourself from being vulnerable or being hurt or being attacked. And only when you come and only when you break the circuit of those ruminating thoughts and arguments and behaviors is your brain going to start to rebalance itself and find its homeostasis and that's when the reasoning centers begin to communicate better with your midbrain and that's where things start to calm down. Now you've probably heard me say this a thousand times but that's what happens when you meditate. When you meditate you're getting a really strong connection between brain regions. The reasoning center with the, with the emotional center, the limbic system. You're getting so much communication through those areas. You're also strengthening a lot of other areas such as like your memory, your retrieval memory, all of that when you meditate because you're getting yourself into this calm state where the actual um, – your brain waves is in. Like I did a whole thing on like alpha waves and beta waves and all of that, but that starts to calm down and things like work in synchronicity within the brain. And that's what happens when you exercise, when you meditate, when you do things like that, okay? Breath work, all of that. So yes, I think everyone should be fucking meditating regardless if you think that you struggle with dealing with your anger or not, but it is really, really good to be strengthening those pathways. The the same also happens for sleep. If you have really poor sleep, you're more likely to be more reactive and emotional than someone who can reason really well. And the reason behind that is that um, when you lack sleep, you have more uh, cortisol, chronic levels of cortisol, flowing through your brain and when there's more cortisol flowing through your brains cortisol inhibits that communication between brain regions so you're going to feel like that all day long your memory is poor you're not you're more forgetful things stress you out so it's like this vicious cycle when you sleep well when you meditate a lot you're reducing those levels of cortisol when you go into the sauna exercise all of that lowering cortisol brain regions start communicating a lot better so every time you notice yourself enter like I'm starting to get angry I'm starting to get angry just think about the science behind it. Just think, I'm not on my side. My brain's not going to be fucking be on my side. The, I am now entering a, a, a period of time where I'm wasting my time. I am wasting my fucking time, okay? Step four, change your priority from being right to being at peace. So with step four, the main thing that you want to be focusing on is being at peace. It's, it's you know, I literally, you, your mantra should be, Fucking, my priority today is my peace of mind. No matter what happens, I know that I will feel infinitely better if I know that I have kept my cool. You never feel better after losing your cool, ever. I'd love to meet someone who genuinely can say, oh, I feel so good that I lost my fucking shit and had no control over the situation and I said shit that I regret and I made someone I love feel shit about themselves. I really feel great about that. No one, nobody likes to lose their cool. Someone who, even if you're a narcissist, it just doesn't, it's just not good. Even if you're selfish as fuck, it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good to lose your cool because when you've lost your cool, you have lost control. A lot of people think that anger is a really good way to get what they want and lashing out at someone. All you've done is make someone feel very uncomfortable around you, but they genuinely believe now that you are not in control. A leader that has to scream and abuse their employees or their team has lost control control okay they're not in control and you know it look at the people that you respect the most look at the people that seem to have all their fucking shit together and seem to just be you know in the zone they're the people that really know how to have a command over their own mind and their brain we all know the difference between being intimidated by someone because they make you feel uncomfortable versus respecting someone because they inspire you huge difference huge difference okay and understand that that all comes down to do they lose their shit and do you just feel like unstable around them because you don't? they're volatile or do they inspire you and make you feel confident and calm when you're around them but they make you want to do better. That's the difference between a, a leader that commands respect and a leader that tries to demand respect but really only just gets intimidation. That's it. So now that you're focusing on your peace of mind instead of being right – When you realize that like regardless of what that person says or feels, you can create peace for yourself. No matter what they think, it's not going to change my world. It's not going to change my reality. When you can start to feel less affected by what someone says to you or what someone thinks about you, you're going to start to feel a whole lot calmer. Sometimes it takes stepping back and putting it into perspective to realize that it doesn't have to get so big. Sometimes the best thing you can do is create some distance between what is happening in that moment and your next move. Put some distance there. The next words that will come out of your mouth, the next thing that you're going to reply via text message, the next decision that you're going to make. Create some distance. Take some breaths. Calm down. Distance is the best thing you can do to achieve gaining perspective on a situation. I know for sure that if I'm fired up in in an argument and I've let it get out of control, there's nothing good that's going to come out of it. Nothing. I'm just thinking, this is like, I'm just spiraling now and I'm getting nothing out of it. The best thing you can do is to step away, to walk away. If you're in a relationship, a healthy one, um, and you feel fired up, you say, I actually just know that the next thing I'm going to say, I'm going to regret because I'm just speaking out of pure anger. I need to just pause, take a breath and not disrespect you or the relationship and then come back when I'm feeling a lot calmer. A healthy relationship, a healthy partner will turn around and say, I respect that. 100%, take the time out and let's revisit this. A psychopath who wants you to say something you regret will keep you in that argument. If you have a partner that says, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. Stay here, stay here, stay here. Toxic, red flag. Because they want you to fuck up, okay? If you genuinely care about your partner, and the same goes for you. Don't ever keep your partner in a situation. If they're asking for a time out because they don't want to say something they regret, don't ever keep them in that argument arguing because it means that you want them to fail. A healthy partner wants their partner to succeed, wants themselves to succeed so the relationship can succeed. If your partner is asking for some help in an argument, being like, I just need time out, I want to get to the bottom of this, a healthy partner will give it to them. If they don't want their partner to do well, they won't give it to them. It's that simple. It's that fucking simple. So just really ask yourself, am I that person that allows this space for my partner or not? Is my partner that kind of person for me? If you're on the receiving end of someone that's really angry at you and it's making you start to feel really angry and it's making you want to blow up in in response because they're making you feel attacked, they're making you feel threatened, so then anger is what's coming out. You need to try and create some kind of distance or detach yourself in that moment from what is being said and what's going on. There's this really good quote from Selma Hayek um, in an interview and she says something along the lines of, if someone was screaming at you in another language, you the words mean nothing. right? Like You don't understand those words, so they mean nothing to you. And it's kind of like what she's saying is that the words mean the most to the people, to the person that's saying them. They're the ones just trying to hurt, trying to affect you, trying to this, trying to that. And it's up to you if you're going to put meaning to those words. And if you're going to say, wow, those words mean so much to me that I have to argue and show them that I, that I'm right. Or you can say those words right now, when you're in that state, I'm not going to take them to heart. I'm not going to allow it to affect my peace of mind. I can still decide if, you, if you're if you someone that I want to hang out with. It doesn't mean, oh, it means nothing, so I'll keep hanging around this toxic person. You can identify that as like, no, nope, I don't want to be around this anymore. But you can say there is no truth behind those words. What they're saying to me doesn't mean that it's true just because they're saying it. I can detach myself and I'm much better off identifying that there isn't any truth behind those hurtful words versus me standing here and trying to reason with someone that is angry where I'll probably just get angry myself and then we get nowhere. Okay, So you've got to remove the meaning behind the words that are being said to you when someone's angry because if you don't, then the likelihood of you getting angry goes up. Step five, create some boundaries around your emotional limits. Learn to say no. This is kind of like what I said, walking away in the middle of an argument with your partner, say, I need fucking time out, okay? If you can identify what you are willing to allow and what you are not willing to allow, then you're going to have way more control over how you react to situations. When you're tired, for example... And like I said, you know, rest is one of the best things that you can do for yourself to feel calm, to feel happy, to whatever. When you are tired, when you need a break, when you need some silence, if you don't allow that for yourself, then you're going to be kind of – your patience is going to run fucking thin, okay? And that's where you're more susceptible to react in a way that you don't want to react or, or, you know, make a decision that you didn't want to make or lash out at somebody, right? Like if you, allow yourself, if you allow yourself to create some space for yourself, instead of being pulled in a million directions, you're going to be way more in tune with your needs. It's going to be a lot easier to draw boundaries between what you will expose yourself to and what you want, okay? If you're emotionally exhausted, like you've gone through a big day, you're really stressed, you, you feel like a lot of pressure, maybe you, you're heartbroken, maybe you're going through grief. If you're emotionally exhausted and what you need is downtime, then this is not the time to be discussing something really heavy. Set the boundary and discuss it at another time. Do not let someone force you into discussing something or discussing a topic when you have reached your emotional limit for the day, okay? Do it the following day or do it in a few hours or whatever. Stop arguing with someone about something that you always argue about with no resolve, there are some people that will argue the exact same topic again and again and again with each other for decades. Not necessary. Not fucking necessary. You can draw the boundary. You can say, you know what, I know you want to argue this, but go argue this on a fucking forum on the internet while I read a book, okay? Leave me be, cunt, okay? Now, resisting engaging in these kinds of conversations or arguments or minimizing your engagement with these people who are normally going to trigger an anger response in you is the first step in demonstrating to yourself that you've got some sort of control over your anger if you feel this insatiable pull to engage in arguments then this is your first clue that you need to address this anger within you Because you've created this anger and if you see an argument, you're like, I need to debate. All you have to do is look on fucking Facebook and Instagram and all the people blowing up at randoms on fucking comment section of a fucking photo of a dog. All you have to do is look at that to realise that a lot of people have a lot of unresolved anger and underlying emotions behind that anger and they just want an outlet. They want an outlet. And a lot of people think, all I need is an outlet and then I'll feel fine. But no, when you have this outlet, you then increase the chances. I'm all for, for expressing your emotions, but there's no point expressing your anger if you're not also going to then address what is the primary emotion behind the anger. You've just wasted your time. You've literally wasted your time and created more cortisol floating around you th- through your brain, made it harder for you to reason, okay? Fine, if you're going to express your anger, if you're like, well, I'm really angry, Why? What am I feeling in this moment? Why do I feel threatened? Am I feeling attacked? Do I feel this? Do I feel that? Ask yourself the questions. Do the work, okay? If you're going to feel angry, you might as well make it productive. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. Now, now back to the fucking topic of this point, which is creating boundaries around your emotional limits. Understand also that nothing is ever going to get resolved in anger. When you scream at someone or when someone screams or threatens you, it's not for a resolution. It's for this self-fulfilling reason of getting something off their chest, okay? And so that's where you've got to really draw the boundary. You're like, the only thing that we're going to gain in this argument right now is you feeling like you've got something off your chest and that's it. And then probably really hurting me in the process or I've hurt you in the process. Nothing really gets done. So from now on, I'm going to actually put a boundary in place, okay? If you want to get something off your chest, go punch a punching bag, okay? Not me. Additionally, when you're arguing, people don't listen to what is being said. They only pay attention to the energy that you're throwing out. And most people respond by avoiding or retreating or attacking back. So, nothing, nothing, you achieve nothing. In an angry fight, you achieve nothing. So, it is very good to put boundaries in place. And I think people think, no, but we have to talk it out. Yes. We do have to talk it out, but we don't have to attack each other and scream it out. And the moment we get into those territories, then that's when I'm going to put a boundary into place. And don't think that I'm avoiding, you know, you've got to make it clear to your partner. Don't think I'm avoiding what's going on in the relationship. I just know that nothing will, we will achieve nothing if we're angry. So that is when, that's my boundary. That is my limit. When we enter this territory, I fucking tap out. Okay. Don't ever be accused. Don't let yourself be accused of avoiding things. Be ready to talk but set the boundary when, when people are blowing up at each other. A person with little to no anger or frustration or resentment inside of them is not going to stay in a situation where they are on the receiving end of anger for a prolonged period of time. They're just not. They remove themselves from it as it just doesn't align with who they are. You know, there are people out there who are never going to engage in an angry fight. You'll never see them yelling. You'll never see them engaging because it's just so against their grain. They'll just be like, oh... I'm not putting up with this. I'm fucking tapping out. You know, there are people that, you know, would never be caught dead in a relationship with someone who's so angry or aggressive purely because they saw it coming a mile away and they're like, "No, that doesn't align with my en- energy. I'm tapping out. I can't I can't have that in my energy and I'm out." Right? And you yourself can get to that point. You can get to that point by identifying things as early as possible, by paying attention to how you're feeling, by paying attention to what energy you're going to allow in the people around you and in yourself, in the arguments or discussions that you're having. Now, the last one, step six. Get good at knowing what your physical symptoms are when you enter an angry state. This is one of the best things you can do because you can be like, oh, it's happening, I can intercept it. Sometimes these appear before you even identify that you're angry. Your physical symptoms are consistent and they're undeniable, okay? And what's really interesting, if ideally if if you can get your partner on board with this, often your partner or your relatives can see this before you do and it's actually very, very helpful to get them on board, not in a condescending way, obviously in a productive way. Get your partner on board and say, hey, look, you know my face almost better than I do, if not actually better than I do. I want you to help me identify when I've switched and like when my physical symptoms change and when you can tell that I'm starting to get angry because a lot of the time these physical symptoms, bang, they arise before you even like, wow, I'm actually feeling angry. You know, um, for example, is does, sometimes there's like a change in the person's face. Something changes in their face and you can see it in your partner but they won't even acknowledge it. But this happens all the time. You might think, oh, it's just my – no, no, everyone – Something changes in the face and the people that know you well can identify it. Does your breathing change? Does your chest feel heavy? Look for the clues. Ask your partner where are the clues. Have these conversations, especially if you have anger problems with your partner. And have these conversations not during an argument because it comes across as condescending. You have these conversations when you're relaxed. Listen to this podcast together and be like, let's actually help each other. You know, say, you know, I notice that when you get angry, something changes in how you, like your eyes, you squint a bit more or your, your brow kind of, you know, changes or or your, your something in your mouth changes. Or I notice that you breathe differently. Or your mannerisms. A lot of people, their mannerisms change all of a sudden, you know. And if you can say, look, I notice that... A, a, and the reason why I say have this conversation before you engage, before you, something pisses you off is if you can both be on the same page of like, let's help each other identify when we're going to get angry so we can tap out and have some cooling off time. Because then, let's say then, you, then once you've had this conversation, you're like, yep, totally on board. Then it's not condescending. Then if you're talking to your partner and you're like, look, I can see based on how your physicality has changed that this is making you feel uncomfortable. Why don't we take a few minutes and then let's just regroup in like 30 minutes or whatever once we've like calmed down. If you're both on the same page about that, then your partner's are going to be like, okay, fuck, fine, fine, time out. Do you know what I mean? Like you, 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 this is constructive. You work on this together and it doesn't just have to be your partner. You can do this with your parents, your children, your children, do it with your children. You know, if you see that your child is struggling to, to manage their emotions, you can look at their physical symptoms and say, this is the time now where we're going to stop arguing or I'm going to stop yelling at you for doing whatever and we're going to address what emotion is, under, is happening right now We're going to talk about that or alternatively take time out and then we talk about it in 30 minutes, you know. So that way there isn't this like push, pull, push, pull of frustration and anger and not getting anywhere. You do that with your partner, your children, your parents, your siblings, your best friends, everyone, and you'll be so much calmer, so much happier. All right, so those are the six steps. I'll just quickly go over them. I'm just going up over my notes. Number one, identify the primary emotion because anger is a secondary emotion. Number two, release your attachment to being right. Step three, understand that your brain is not on your side when you're angry. Step four, change your priority from being right to being at peace. Step five, create some boundaries around your emotional limits. And step six, get good at knowing what your physical symptoms are when you enter. into being angry. Guys, you have the ability to change how you approach your anger. It arises because of something else. And your job is to get good at stopping that as soon as possible, identifying the primary emotion, asking yourself, what do I need right now? Can I intercept this before it gets too hard for me to intercept this later, before I do something or say something I'm going to regret? And if by the end of this episode, you think, no, no, I still cannot control this anger, I can't, then therapy might very well be the solution for you. And I don't pretend to think that one episode is going to change everything for you, but it gives you a bit of an insight into where the work needs to be done and what you can be doing. Okay. If you've had zero training in controlling your anger and not letting it get big in the first place, then having someone to guide you, a therapist, a professional through it might be your best bet slash will be your best bet. Okay, it's the biggest favor that you can do for yourself, for your mental health, and for your relationships. If you can prioritize that, then you can prioritize yourself. Okay? If you or your partner are one of those people that claim that they just absolutely cannot control their anger, they can't help it, that's just who I am, then those are the people, you or your partner, they're the people that actually need the therapy. Okay? They need the help because if you genuinely can't believe that you can control your anger, that is the first big problem. It means that you're going to have no accountability for when you do blow up, okay? So it's crucial that you intercept it and do something about it. Now I'm going to finish with a quote from this man called Ziad K. Abdelnoir or Abdelnoir, sorry for, for not pronouncing that probably. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but Ziad K.A. is his name. And he says, don't promise when you're happy, Don't reply when you're angry and don't decide when you're sad. And that is fucking one of my favorite quotes by far. It is so spot on, so spot on. Don't promise when you're happy. Don't reply when you're angry and don't decide when you're sad. Fucking gold. Brilliant. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this, today's episode. I love you guys so much. Um, and I will speak to you in the next episode. As always, please remember, be kind. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone. And especially, don't take shit from yourself. Dunker.